A very warm welcome to our audience today, of course, the Hurricanes members. My name's Tubes Taylor, and I've got two very special guests in for this week's podcast. We've got the General Manager of High Performance, Sally Ann Beams. Hello, Sal. Hey, Tubes. Great to have you with us. And, of course, one of the favourite players of most people who watch any women's cricket across the whole nation, and, of course, Hobart Hurricanes player, Molly Strano. Hello, Molly. Hello, Tubes. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you both here and what a broad spectrum of folks that we've had on the podcast already. It's so great to have you here. I'll start with the season already, Sal. You must be stoked with where the girls are sitting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think they've done incredibly well, actually. We've we've had tricky tasks um, going up to Blacktown on a pitch that we probably say was um, a little bit on the poor side uh, for this level of competition, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, we headed to Perth and watched bit of rain come down um, and then back home so yeah it was great to get uh, another win on the board playing the Renegades last night. How does the playing group feel about it Molly? Um, we're pretty happy where we're standing at the moment uh, we're a few games behind the rest of the competition at the moment um, and we're sort of sitting pretty in the middle of the pack there so we've got two more games at Blunston if we can get two wins there it puts us well and truly in the race tubes. So to give people out there listening a bit of perspective on where we're when we're recording this Last night was a big win against the Renegades with Maisie Gibson taking four wickets, some amazing fielding as well. What's the vibe like amongst the group after that big win? Yeah, we're pretty pumped to be honest. Um, it was a pretty um, complete performance. Um, we're very happy to keep the Renegades to 130-odd. Um, we thought that was under par and we were able to chase it down with pretty much two overs to spare. So pretty happy change room after the game. Um, and yeah, we're all really happy for Maisie. She's had her injury battles over the last sort of two years and to see her do her thing on the biggest stage and um, do really well. Um, I think everyone was really excited for Maze as well. So all in all, Tubes, pretty, um, we're pretty happy down at the cane train. Yeah, I'm stoked for Maisie too. I've, I've recorded a podcast with her in the past and her story is just amazing, Sal. And I know you're a big advocate for Maisie Gibson. You must be stoked too for her to just see her shine in, in, on a platform like that last night. Yeah, absolutely. Like Molly said, she's been away from WBBL cricket for the last two years um, with her ACL and then to come back and perform the way she had is brilliant. The biggest thing I've been impressed with is a fielding off her own bowling. <laughs> a one-handed hanger last night, if I dare say so myself. That was a beauty. An absolute ripper, wasn't it? And Ruth Johnson took a screamer too, one that you'd be pretty proud of if you took like that, uh, Molly. Um, tubes, I'm now 30, so I don't think I can get off the ground the way that Ruth did. Now, I hide at short third these days, which is pretty relaxing down there. <laughs> so for you, a, a change in your role this year, you've gone from the coach of the Hobart Hurricanes and the WNCL Tigers up into that higher performance management role. How's that been, the transition from coaching into a management role? Yeah, um, look, it was a big decision. Um, I'm certainly love coaching and especially with these group of girls as well but you know the transition's been you know fairly straightforward I'd say um you know I'm, I've not left an organization and gone into a new one I know the environment pretty well um it's just getting used to I guess not being on the shop floor and just standing back a little bit and learning when to keep your nose out particularly the the female program anyway um but look I'm, I'm really enjoying it it's a new challenge I'm learning new things every day I'm <laughs> making more mistakes actually but um Look, it's, it's, it's a great role for me to be in to develop my skill sets. And you know what? It's, it's not the end of coaching for me. I don't know where I'll be in five years, but it was, it's a good change for me. 
Was it something you aspired to do or, or because of the promotion, I guess, of Simon Inslee to a international group with the New Zealand side, was it a see an opportunity and go, I wouldn't mind doing that? Or did you sort of think about this before Simon left? Um, not seriously have I thought about it, but Simon has planted a few seeds in my head in and around this type of role when he was here. Um, so, yeah, it's been at the back of my mind, but never really taken it seriously. I've always said I wanted to be an international head coach, and I still see that as a as a possibility. Um, but, look, this role worked wor- really well from personal circumstances as well. And, you know, having a young family and not being away so much. So, yeah, still involved in high-performance sport, which I love. Um, and then it works personally. And what about for the playing group, Molly? What's the transition from Sal's role as a coach up to, I guess, I, I, call, I used to call Simon the big, big boss. <laughs> What's that been like for the playing group? Or is it just great to have Sal around still? Well, wouldn't I? I can speak only from a personal of perspective. Course. But um, when I heard the, first heard the news, it came with mixed emotions because obviously loved and adored Sal as, as my head coach and she was a, a big reason why I wanted to move across and, and come and play for the Tigers was to, to play under Sal's leadership as coach. But on the other hand, um, as a close friend of mine, I was just super pumped and, and really proud of Sal. Like, I just think it's an, an amazing opportunity for her and it's just to have someone that's going to advocate strongly for women's cricket in that position is so great for our, our playing group. And from a personal development like perspective as well, like what an opportunity for to be a bit of a pioneer in that space there's not been many female um, HPM so from that point of view I was super excited for Sal and super pumped but on the other hand really sad not to be able to see her on a daily basis in with the trackies on down at training. <laughs> Don't roll with the trackies anymore? No no um, <laughs> I've got a bit of stick actually for the clothes that I've been wearing to work because no one's ever seen me out of a tractor. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm enjoying putting a, a nice blouse on and a bit of makeup, actually. How important is team culture to you? Because we know you had the WNCL win last year, which was groundbreaking for Tasmanian cricket. But what do you do to build the culture amongst the whole program across men's and women's cricket here at Cricket Tas? Yeah, well, culture for me is defined by <coughs> the, the way people behave. And, you know, we want people looking outwardly in and, and saying that we're a great organisation to work for we have fun we celebrate our successes we're very collaborative we're a small family so I've got a big part in the HP department which is you know the personnel number is is massive to make sure I'm driving all that and we're making really good change I want to be able to create an incredible legacy where Tassie Tigers are you know competing at the top consistently and we are producing um, Australian cricketers so I've got a big job on my hands but it's achievable. What's the biggest challenge that you've found so far? Maybe something that you didn't think was going to be that challenging or a surprise? Um, challenging so far, I'd say, you know, when you're a head coach in your space, you work sideways um, with, with a male program, but you, you probably don't know too much about what's working above you. So all the board level conversations and and actually you, you're making big um, decision-making changes and influencing in that area. So... I've had to really step back and make sure everything that I'm doing is really informed, um, collaborative, and that if I am making these decisions, it's, it's the benefit of the organisation. So a bit more responsibility, I would say. How important are pathways for you here at your role as high performance manager as far as the T20 competition goes? So for, for pathways for players to go into that T20 environment? 
Yeah, I've actually, last week, it was kind of a, a responsibility of mine to understand what the pathway is from a state point of view. So I went up north to speak to our HP coaches up there to see how each of our pathway programmes run. But, you know, what's clear for us across all the people that work in the pathway is that we want to produce um, contracted players. So that's Hurricanes and Tigers players. We've just got to do a little bit more work as, you know, what does a Hurricanes player look like? Because it is different. It's a different format. Um, it's fan-facing, so we want to be able to people to clear the rope, uh, be exciting, all those types of elements. So, you know, once we know what we're looking for, I think we've got a great group of people that can provide programmes to deliver it. Molly, for you, your pathway to Tasmania has been a little bit roundabout. You came down last year for your first year with the Tigers and now this year. You played the Hurricanes last year too, didn't you? So your second year in the Hurricanes program, tell us about your journey to get to Tasmania. Um, yeah, I started and I well, grew up in, in Melbourne, so played all my junior cricket for Victoria and um, made my debut for Victoria when I was 19. So I've had a long stint with the big V on my chest. Um in the first edition of the Big Bash, I linked up with the Melbourne Renegades and played with them right up until last year when I made the move down to, to Tassie. So, yeah, um, Victorian at heart, but at the moment um, I consider myself as a Taswegian and um, hopefully everyone in Tasmania is um, <laughs> accepting of that, that I've got some Victorian roots, but I'm, I'm very much a proud Tasmanian as we speak. I think the way I watch you amongst the crowd and the way you are with particularly little people during your Hurricanes duties and your WNCL duties is that we have embraced you because of the way you embrace the people around you, the fans, and, and I love that, and I think you're a leader in that regard, Molly. And I don't mean to just – I'm not um, pumping up your tyres because <laughs> you're sitting right next to me, but is that something that you pride yourself on, your ability to interact with, with the fans? Yeah, it's one of my favourite parts of, of playing cricket, not only forging really strong and meaningful connections within my team and with my teammates and my staff um, – I love meeting the fans that come along and watch. Um, I used to be that young girl that sat, sat in the crowd and I have such fond memories of plays that just the littlest things, like they wave to you when they're, when they're on the field and stuff, you remember that stuff as a young player. So I always have that in the back of my mind that, you know, little Molly that was sitting in the crowd, um, I hope that little Molly that's there today has the same experience that I used to have when I used to go and watch um, senior women's cricket. So, yeah, it's it's something that I, I like to do. I love to engage. Um, Tubes, as you know, I'm quite social, so I love making some new friends while I'm at games as well. I'm on a friend-finding mission here in Tassie, so if I can make some mates <laughs> in the crowd, that's always a bonus. So, yeah, it's something that I um, really enjoy doing, so I don't find it too much of a difficult task. How have you found the transition from Victoria to Tasmania as far as the Hurricanes go? Oh, I've, I've loved the journey. Um Oh, as I said, I'm still very much a proud Victorian, but I've come down to Tassie and I've absolutely loved the experience. It's it's been challenging at, at certain points. My life and my everything was like so tie, um, strongly tied to Victoria, but from a like personal development point of view, uprooting my life, coming to a new orga organisation, meeting new people, it's it's been so powerful for me and something that I'll look back on, I reckon, in maybe 10 or 20 years' time and being like that was a really influential stage of my, my development as not only a cricketer but as a person. So thoroughly enjoying my time down here in, in Tassie. Um, and as I said, like I, I feel really blessed to be here at Cricket Taz. It's got a real community and family feel about it and that was that's one thing that I was a little bit worried about when I was leaving Victoria, leaving my friends and family behind. But I gained an instant group of friends and family here at Cricket Taz and 
yeah, um, as I said, it's it's been an awesome experience being able to forge some really um, great and meaningful connections whilst being here at Cricket Taz. What are some of the things, and I'll ask you the same thing, Sal, in just a minute, but what are some of the things about Tasmania outside of cricket that you've enjoyed? Um, <laughs> I, well, I am from Melbourne, so I love my um, wining and dining. So um, I've tried out a few different um, licensed establishments and I definitely love the, <laughs> love the food and wine scene here in Tassie. Um, lots of um, fresh and local produce, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, it's just a great place to live, though, as well. The pace of life, um, the surrounds, um, it's a gorgeous place. Um, and, yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying that part of, of Tassie as well, the nature and, and just the open spaces. And, yeah, it's just, a, as I said, a great place to live, a great lifestyle. And obviously for you, Sal, you found the love of your life down here. Um, you've been here for how long now? Uh, I arrived in June 2018. So, so you've had a, a fair stint here, nearly, well, just over four years what are some of those things outside of cricket that you love about Tassie? Um, yeah, look, I can only reiterate what Molly says. Not so much about the um, clubs and clubs. Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't um, say clubs. So I don't go clubbing. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> um, but look, it's absolutely stunning. Um, you know, I've spent the last fifteen years in the Midlands of England. So you know, to have beautiful scenery, um, the hills, and then the water on the side. It's like no other place for me. It's absolutely stunning. And then having a young family, I don't think there's anywhere better to to bring up a, a young family. So I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, and what makes actually Molly an incredible Taswegian, as she would say, is that not only she, does she get what's at performance level, she understands what's underneath. So she's the first one who's more than happy to go and represent club cricket, inspire people, in that area, which is absolutely crucial for us to create sustained success in the, in the female program, she just she just gets it. Yeah, it's it's inspiring. Like Little Molly, you talked about before, they exist here in Tasmania as female cricketers that can have a tangible access to the people that are stars. And I, I genuinely mean that when I see you and most of the Hurricanes female program walking around the boundary, stopping out the back to to give autographs. And I've seen you do it, Molly. It's a real testament to your character and, and your family too because I'm sure that's the way you've been brought up. One of the things that I ask cricketers that have moved from the mainland down here to the Cricket Taz program and the Hurricanes is, has Tasmania itself or Hobart itself changed or improved your cricket? Because I, I've spoken to people in the past about, they say, yeah, look, I moved down here and I thought, it was really far away to get to training or whatever and it's a 15-minute drive. And now I used to think, this is so fast and now I've been here for a couple of years, 15 minutes away seems like ages. But they talk about being able to get out of their cricket gear and being able to relax a bit more because the journeys, are, the travel time might be quicker or it's just a more relaxed environment so they're less focused on being in that cricket mindset. Do you think Tasmania and the move to the Hobart Hurricanes and, and Cricket Taz has improved your cricket itself or is it more than that or less than that? No, absolutely. On, on so many different levels, I would say as well. Um, I can attest to that. Um, a 45-minute drive on the mainland felt like nothing and now all of a sudden a 20-minute drive in Tassie feels like a bit of a trek. Um, <laughs> and I've never had to um, – there's a few things about Tassie which um, we can unpack later, but I'm still really confused why a bridge has to – shut when a boat goes under like isn't the purpose of a bridge that traffic can keep flowing when a, a boat goes under but I've never experienced that before until I moved to Tassie but that's just one little thing that I'm, I'm just going to pick on Tassie about. No it's it's <laughs> it's there was a 
ship that hit it in 1974, I think, called the Illawarra, and it hit it and the bridge broke. And the other war is still on the bottom of the Derwent. So okay, I'm feeling really insensitive right now. I can take I take that back. Can we just cut that out of the podcast, please? <laughs> just My previous <laughs> statement. No, you can. You, uh, it's it's it is strange, but to be fair, in the time that I lived, I lived out near the airport when I first moved down to Hobart from the northwest coast, and in the time that I've lived there, I think so. I've lived in Hobart for 20 years. I think I've been stopped on the bridge once. For the boat to go underneath and when I stopped when I got stopped I was furious furious because this boat was making me late and then I realized you know what tubes it's only maybe eight minutes I think it takes eight <laughs> minutes for a boat to go underneath. I think you should ask how many times Molly has been stopped how long? twice in 18 months not that I'm counting <laughs> did you get in <coughs> twice in 18 months you are counting did you get in did you get in trouble because you were late um it, one was at an awards night, wasn't it? Oh, one was on the way to the awards night, which there's not much time to waste at awards night tubes. You see me um, at awards night, I just need to get to the dance floor ASAP. So I was furious <laughs> that I had to... Eight minutes is two songs on the dance floor tube, so I probably missed <laughs> two songs, two ripping songs. So I was furious on the way over to the awards night. Um, and the other time was on the way back to training where um, Elise Vellani and I had a um, an ABC interview and we got caught. So we probably only missed the warm-up at training, so that was probably... Beneficial, to be honest. <laughs> what about you, Seth? You live on the eastern shore, do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So you wouldn't have been stopped the bridge ever? I've never <laughs> been stopped. Well, we might have just put the mickey on you. <laughs> um, where to from here for the Hurricanes, Sal? What, what happens in the next part of the season? We've got a couple of games coming up in the next couple of days, so a game on Sunday and then a game on Monday. After that, what are your expectations for the Hobart Hurricanes? Yeah, so those two games, um, hopefully, like Molly said, we can, you know, win on home soil and then we're up in Adelaide and go to the Karen and Oval and then we go to La Trobe, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, been on the phone to Jason Sims, actually, who's the head curator there. Three days ahead, said it looks smick, was his words, whatever that means, but he's really happy with that. So we play stars there and then we head to Sydney for the final game, so... Yeah, look, there's a lot. There's a lot of games left, really. And where do you think you sit as far as the finals go? Do you think the Hurricanes are a chance? Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're pretty outward in in speaking about finals. I think in teams that I've played in in the past, and there is probably a common theme with some other sporting teams as well. It's like you don't really want to say the F word, which is finals, but we're sort of embracing that. <laughs> um, and we've got aspirations to play finals and play well in the finals as well. We, we, we want to win some silverware. Um, a core chunk of our Hurricanes team was involved in the Tassie win last year and we just know what that feeling's like and we want to experience it again. We're getting a little bit selfish. So, um, yeah, we're pretty outward in saying that we want to play finals and we want to do really well in finals as well and contest for some silverware. And what are your expectations from the fans on the northwest coast for some of those games in La Trobe? I actually haven't been to La Trobe myself, so I'm very excited to get up there um, and... Shout out to the head curator, don't make the wicket too flat um, or else my offspin won't be treated with much respect. Um, <laughs> um, no, but I'm super excited to get up north. Um, where we played in Launceston last year um, and the crowds flocked in, so they love the hurricanes up there in the north and hopefully we can play some good cricket and inspire the next gen up there too. Absolutely. Sally and Beams, Molly Strano, thanks so much for joining us on The Purple Pod. Until next time, my name is Tubes Taylor. We'll catch you at the cricket. Bye for now.